Thank you all for praying. Thank you for um, walking a journey. I think that's part of what Nikki and I have been doing since 2003 when we came here. Walking a journey. And I, I want to thank you because this the Kingdom Come series that we've been doing, we started, actually this came out of uh, this summer. Uh, there, in, during the summer I was at Rock Lake and I was praying about, because we were actually thinking, I, it became a, a downtime of all the stuff about this transition stuff. And I honestly was really wrestling with the Lord, like, Lord, uh, why? And is this what I'm called to do? Is this what I'm, I was, I was at a time where I was actually in the summer, had, took this Lord. And out of this came this message, this series called Your Kingdom Come. Because what we're wanting to do is not just do church, but Lord, we want to advance your kingdom. And that's what started doing. Because the neat thing is when you think kingdom, it's not my church. It's his church. It's not about me. It's, it, your, your, your brain shifts when you think kingdom because you have to enter the kingdom like a child. And then he asks you things that are really counter. The kingdom of this world it is so counter to the kingdom of our God. And, he, and you have to almost be renewed in your mind thinking kingdom. When you say your kingdom come and your will be done, you're literally saying, God, you do things differently and I'm open to it. And that's, that's what's been happening. So we've been going through this and Dave started us off. I want to give you a quick recap just in case you don't, if you're new and haven't been here. First of all, Dave started by explaining the biblical narrative. God is acting as king. And in order to bring, to bring order and salvation, to restore all things, this is basically the theology of, of the kingdom. God is king. That's what Dave started with. I shared then, after Dave, what does it mean being in the kingdom? Again, there's, there's a step, uh, a progression that we're going through in this. I talked about being a cloistered Christian, a secular Christian, or a colossal Christian. And if you remember that, I was straddled like two legs behind, between two. Because the challenge of us is to be in the world, but not a part of it. To be in Jesus is the, your king, in being in the kingdom. And then Aaron uh, talked after that. Uh, he shared about Jesus being king ultimately brings us to healing. We then did a segue which related to your kingdom come. It was partnered with the men's ministry series. We talk about more than conquerors. And as we were going through that, because when you're in the kingdom, you are set apart. You are declared holy. And the conquer series just went like this with the your kingdom come, because when you're saying yes to the kingdom, you will be set apart. And that means God dealing with the things that would become uh, not in our, our lives, would hinder the kingdom. And so we spent several weeks doing this. And then last week, Dave came back and he brought us to our original series, Your Kingdom Come. And what does, it, what does being in the kingdom mean? That's what Dave was after. He said, the kingdom of God is already, already but not yet. He talked about the kingdom of God happens when the king extends his scepter, which is to you. And the kingdom of God is about fellowship with the king, which means a meal with Melchizedek. Is that Dave? Did I get it right? I was listening. Hey, praise God. Anyway, today I'm going to speak on advancing the kingdom. It's being a people who say yes. And I'm going to be, op- please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 18. Now it's a large portion of scripture, so I'm not going to read it now. We'll just go through it, okay? Because... Uh, We want the word to be active, powerful, but also I want us not to get bogged down with not just hearing it, but listening to it. So this is what I want to put. If at the cross all our sins have been taken and placed on Christ, if Jesus took all of your sins 
And then not only has he taken your sins, he has now given you his righteousness. You are made righteous because of what he did. What should be our response? What what is the appropriate response to, to the cross and to the gospel? What should be the virtue or our foundation? Not trying to earn, but what is a response if you understand what Jesus has done for you? Well, the chapter in, in Philippians 2, I, I love it. It's my, one of my favorite chapters, but can I be honest with you? It is absolutely mean. Mean, 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 as in nasty, as in it's very hard. Why would you say that, Norm? Well, because it shares a very challenging thought. Paul is challenging, like it is, if you want to talk about a throwdown, this is a throwdown statement that he makes. And, he, and he's really challenging the church. He wants to make your practice line up with your theology. Not just what you believe, but what you're going to live out. And that's why it's incredibly tough. And he asks this rhetorical question. And it's basically my paraphrase is, have you gotten anything out of Jesus? Have you gotten anything being in the kingdom? And then he's, and this is where, in 2 verse 1, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, the message changes it like this. It's a little bit more appropriate, or it makes it a little bit more gritty. He says this, Eugene says, if you've gotten anything out of all of the, out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. That's what the first verse is starting off with. If you actually care, do this. And so it's very, and obviously our answer is yes. It's a very rhetorical answer. If you understand the gospel, if you understand that he died, he took away your sins. Not only that, he calls you a son or daughter. He calls you an heir to Christ. You have so much. And then on top of that, not only has forgiven you of your sins, he then says, I am going to put my spirit in you so that my presence is with you. I mean, this is like, I can't believe what you've received. That's what he's talking about. Have you received any of this in Christ? Well, what should be our natural response? And I'm going to put it like this. This is what he's trying to get at. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Toy Story, uh, I'm talking about the original one. I know that was way back when, but the original Toy Story. I'm going to explain what Paul's kind of talking about in a... In this, in, the, in Toy Story, Woody, a, a toy cowboy, confronts Buzz Lightyear, a toy astronaut. So if you've never seen it, this is what it was. There's, there's Woody and Buzz, and I have actually played Buzz Lightyear, just telling you, so I can speak from personal experience right here. Uh, what happened was this, is but, uh, Woody confronts Buzz with the fact that he's only an action figure and not really a space toy, a space hero. Early in the movie, Woody shouts, you're not a space ranger, you're an action figure, a child's plaything. Well, it's only after failing to fly that Buzz realizes the truth of Woody's statement. And he's suddenly grief-stricken and disillusioned. And Buzz hangs his head in resignation, declaring, I'm just a stupid, little, insignificant toy. Woody later seeks to comfort his friend because he recognizes that uh, 
Woody, or Woody has actually said something that's very harmful. And, and he comforts his friend, underscoring the love, the boy who owns him and owns them both. This is what he says. He says, Buzz, you must not be thinking clearly. Look over at, at that house, in that house. There's a kid who thinks you're the greatest, and it's not because you're a space ranger. It's because you're his. And so what Buzz does is he looks down at his foot, and he sees a label affixed to the bottom of his little shoe. And there in black permanent ink is the name of the boy to whom he belongs. And seeing the name of his owner, Buzz suddenly gets a smirk and a smile. And his life is, he has, he has a different response. What, what is to be our response knowing that you were bought with a price? You see, our response is saying, let your kingdom come. I want to be in your kingdom. I want to advance your kingdom. And advancing the kingdom means being a people who say yes. If you were to ask me, why would you say yes to being a team leader? Why would you do this, Norm? It's simply because I want to advance the kingdom. But I'm going to ask you a question. What does saying yes mean then? What, what is, if we are to be a people who say yes, what does it inquire or mean? And Paul actually talks about it in Philippians 2. He gets very practical on what it means to, of a response, knowing what Jesus has done. And he starts off by this. He says, saying yes means being in community. Verse 2, he starts off by saying this, and it's really neat. He goes, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being this, uh, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The language is very, very powerful. What's your response? Saying yes means being in a community, because what he's saying is we're not meant to do or be in the kingdom alone. Advancing the kingdom means dealing with my independence. Ron didn't know this, but he, he alluded, he said, man, it was so good that Norm and Nikki came down from, uh, from Whitehorse and they were part of it, but he didn't know that in that first year, I wanted to scream and go back to Whitehorse. <laughs> it was because I knew that what God was after me is in the north, man, we, I knew how to be independent. You have to see, when you're up in the north, you've got to take care of yourself. And the biggest thing God had to root out of me was my independence. And what I love about this, Paul is actually echoing Philippians chap, in Philippians 2, Jesus' prayer in John 17. If you took John 17 and Philippians 2 and put them together, you'll see the, how the wording is so close. Watch this as we're reading this. I'm going to read John 17 from you from verse 20. Jesus praying for us. This is what he prays before he goes to the cross. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's you and I. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you've sent me in and love them even as you loved me. Hear the community language of relationship, that we would be one. Paul is saying the same thing. Complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love. This is what it means being saying yes. Jesus actually models this in this community. First of all, he calls 12. He gives them authority, and guess what he does? He instructs them to go with a friend. It takes two to get a donkey. All it is what Ron would often say. It's always good if you take someone along, and he's modeled it today as he's brought Victor, right? Ron lives it. Well, Jesus modeled it for us. You see, in the, his greatest time of need, When Jesus was actually at the point of incredible sorrow, what does he do? He brings his friends and he says, come please pray with me. I love that the charge for me is to pray, but I love it that I am supposed to not pray alone. Saying yes is actually to say, can we pray? Can we be a people that say yes to prayer? But as I agree and I receive that command, to, prayer is necessary. And I too have to say, I need prayer. I need to be a part of it. The joy of this installation is I'm not really worried about titles and positions. Because in verse 3 it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. You know what? I can truly say in, our, in this transition, our posture has been totally that. And it has been incredible how we've operated. That there's no, it's not about a title. It's not about a position. It's simply saying, yes, Lord. It's not often, if you think of the challenge that, do nothing out of conceit or selfish ambition. What does that look like in the kingdom? Is there competition? Are we allowed to have competition? Do we somehow compare ourselves with other? Do we see us looking in rivalry with other? This flies against that concept that we are meant to be rivals. Rather, we are community, family, and partners. And it's very unique that we, as Ron had said, it's neat how we can swap roles. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, verse 45 to 45. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are guarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. I actually want to give incredible recognition to Aaron and Wilma. Aaron said something to me in this process and we were talking about, he was obedient to say, I feel like the Lord's telling me to step down. And when we were talking about uh, my potential taking on the leadership, this is what was the game changer for me. And I have such deep respect for Aaron when, when he said, you know what, Norm? The truth is, I know I can follow you. For four years, or how many years, has been me following him. And then the leader suddenly said, but I can follow you. Because I actually think a sign of leadership is not that you lead, it's how you follow. I think what it means is, ultimately, if we are all leaders, it's coming down and saying, I'm following Jesus. And we can submit to one another, as the scripture even says. 
I like this because being a community that says yes or a people who say yes in a community means iron sharpening iron. It's allowing people into your life. It's not about, it's about sharing the word of God and about sharing your lives together. And as Ron had alluded to, this is how I came to Gateway. When I came down here in 2003 and I was checking out, I, want, I was coming for a position. I, I felt God say, I want you to be the youth pastor. But what actually drew us and made us go, we, love, we feel called to here, was when I was in my interview, what happened was this. When I left Whitehorse, just so you know, um, and I know it's not wrong, I just think that this is where God was taking me out of. I was working as a youth pastor. I'd been in there over a decade as a youth pastor. And the, the senior pastor was, was affirming me. But what happened was this. Um, he, he had said to me, Norm, I have this picture right now. It's like, you ever have this picture like you're, I'm a father and I'm working and I look over and I see my son working on the farm and I suddenly realize, man, my, my, this son could do what I'm doing. And so he said, you know what I mean by that, Norm? I think it's time that you get your own farm. And I was like, Oh, I know what that means. It's time to go. But I'm called to be a youth pastor. I'm not called to lead a church. I, I feel called. And so for six months, I, I resigned, and I was sitting there going, I, I don't know what to do. And it wasn't out of mean or heart. He was literally trying to encourage me, but I didn't know how to handle it because is that what ministry is about, a positional or whatever? And then I came down here for this position, and then I was marveling at how Ron had been here. Oh, no. 27, 20, no, it's almost, yeah, because we're talking, you're 38, it's 28 years already. John Mick is 20 at this time, he's been at Gateway. And I was not coming for a position, I was coming for a family. Church is about family. And the whole time, seeing how did these guys stick together? How do they deal together? Because many, at that time, youth pastors, they resign, they won't, they stay about two years. I thought maybe there's a potential to stay here longer than two years. He's lived 25, 27, yeah, come on. But it was because of the ability for them to say we're in community. So I I would say this, are you alone or isolated? If you think positional, you'll be isolated. But if you think relational, you've come to the right place. To be a people that say yes, you have to think community. The other thing is advancing the kingdom means this. It's a people who say yes, but saying yes means obeying God's call. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What Paul is alluding to is he's saying, look, God has a work for you. God has a purpose and a plan for you. Do you know what? God has a plan and a purpose for every single human being. Everyone. In fact, this started in Genesis chapter 1 when he gives a mandate to Adam and Eve. That's actually our mandate. He says, I have given you dominion, both male and female, to go and multiply, be fruitful and multiply, and bring dominion, bring my kingdom on this earth. Right from the get-go, he says, my plan is people. I don't have a backup plan. It's the church. There is plan A for the kingdom, you and me. I have a purpose, says the Lord. And I want to share something, because this is very profound, because in, 
church, Jesus actually declares something to the church in Ephesus and in Pergamum. And if you read John, Revelation of John, John's Revelation, Jesus stands and he's talking through the lampstands. He's giving a vision of Jesus declaring about the church. And he says something very interesting. He says to the Ephesian church, You do this well. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And in Pergamum, he rebukes them because they have some in the midst that hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Now, the question is, why does Jesus hate the teaching of the Nicolaitans? What is that? Now, lots of people hypothesize that Jesus is saying there's something wrong with this teaching. Now, some believe there was a guy named Nicholas who was a saint at the time, was teaching about uh, bringing up almost a heresy that you can have whatever pleasure you want. You can do whatever you want. And this was a heresy. And Jesus is saying, I don't like that. But there are also, uh, some interpret, Nikolai, or Nikol, sorry, make sure I get this right. Nikol means victory in Greek. And Leo means people. Or more significantly, the laity. So, hence, the word or meaning is the word Nicolaitans could mean the lay people, the victory over the lay people, or conquerors of the lay people. Let me explain. They were starting to teach that there are ministers and there are lay people. There are ministers and then there are lay people. Jesus does not like that teaching. All are ministers. All are called a royal priesthood and a holy nation. There is actually a a challenge when we think that way. He says, I don't want you to think that way. Now, one, is it saying, no, don't call anyone a pastor? No, because in, in, in understanding that 1 Timothy 3 verse 3 says, there's a trustworthy saying, if anyone aspires or desires to be the office of an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task. It's not wrong to say, hey, I want to be a pastor. I want to be an overseer. Jesus is saying, no, that's good. But what he is saying is that we all have a purpose. And when you suddenly say, this person is more special than this person, it's totally contrary. Because in Corinthians, what does he talk about? We're a body. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Nor I am I a hand, uh, this person, and therefore I am not needed. All are part and parcel and have a part. All have a purpose. All have a reason for being. All have a calling. You all have a calling. It is not just me taking a baton today. It is not. If it is, we are no different than the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Where the laity are being conquered. Powerful thought. Versus a community that says, I'm saying yes to God's calling. So with this, it means this. Advancing the kingdom means you're not to bury your talents or bury your treasure. This means you're saying yes to God's purposes. And I love it. Dave kind of alluded to that last week. He said, on the day of God's power, when the kingdom is advancing, guess what? The people are willing to volunteer. When they understand the kingdom, they go, yes. And that means people going, yes, to the kingdom. Yes, to saying whatever God has called me. Yes, because we believe we can do it. Yes. Oh, wow. Thanks, Dave. I was waiting for that one. (laughs) Getting nervous. 
I was at the Belong Summit, and I was so impacted last week. And I really, again, want to thank you for all that were part of it. As we're sharing how there's a partnership right now. The CFS saying, I, we need the church. We need the church. And this, this guy was sharing, and he said, why on earth would anyone ever say yes to helping, uh, reaching broken homes, opening up to foster care? Why would we ever do that? But, and then he explained why, because he said this, our theology is, God sees hard places and broken people, and he moves towards them, not away. That's the God we know, and therefore we can say yes. I can say yes, because he doesn't uh, go away from us. He's always moving towards us. And so we say yes because it's meant, meaning in our life, it doesn't mean it's going to get clean and easy. In fact, it's saying yes means often gets more messy. Amen, right? When you two twins kind of <laughs> ring a bell. Think of it, all through scripture, Abraham, Isaac, when Abraham said yes to God, guess what? You're going to have a kid when you're way beyond your time. Oh, I'm Moses, saying yes to him meant, hey, go back to Egypt, the place where you first tried being a leader and it didn't work. And oh, by the way, the guy's not going to like what you say and he's going to really resist you. Well, thank you. That's good to say yes to that. How about Gideon, mighty man of valor? I want you to, first of all, go topple your parents' idols. Now, that's fun. I would like to do that. Um, Mary, out of you will come a savior. And she says yes. Oh, by the way, I want you to do it as a virgin. That'll be complicated. Hey, mom, dad, surprise. It was the Lord. (laughs) How about Peter? Come follow me. Leave your family and everything behind. But ultimately, even Jesus, Jesus at his baptism, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He says yes to the father and he knows very well he's going to a cross. Saying yes to God does not, and your calling does not mean it gets easy. It could be messy and it could, but because you know what his love and a God that moves to those brokenness, you can say yes, because he will be with you. The last thing of this, advancing the kingdom means being a people who say yes. It's, yes simply means responding. Um, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast to the word of life so that at the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. As I said, I really love that I grew up and became uh, into faith through the Pentecostal church. And the reason is this, Pentecostals know that God gives invitations, but he, those invitations always invoke a response. A good Pentecostal church will have a response at the end of every meeting. Anybody been to a good Pentecostal church? Have you ever had a response? Do you ever wonder why I'm often giving responses at the end of every service? Yes, I blame the Pentecostals. But I believe it's this. Paul is asking us, what kind of response? He wants a response to. He's telling you that if you say yes, there's a response, but this is really challenging. Paul says, respond, but not with grumbling or disputing. Who? <laughs> 
When you do this, how many of you know you can say yes, but that does not necessarily mean your heart is in it? Remember when my... I, one time, Ron might even share this story, but it was this one young lad who his mom had told him to, he was standing in defiance. And he, she said, no, you need to sit down because he had done something wrong. You need to sit down, Timmy. Sit down because that's... And so finally, Timmy, I do not want to have to tell you. So he sits down and he's looking at him and goes, I'm sitting down, but in my heart, I'm standing. <laughs> uh, that's what Paul's talking about here, about doing nothing with grumbling or complaining. In fact, uh, the Greek means this. The Greek word is for complaining is silent debate. Could be interpreted as silent debate. You ever had a silent debate with your wife or husband or significant other? Yes, I won't go there. Anyway. <laughs> the picture I get is like this. If you ever heard of Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite was one of these characters that when his, he was asked to do something, he goes, oh. I have kids that know, they've never seen Napoleon Dynamite, but they know that action. It's amazing. So what he's saying is don't give yourself permission to be Mr. Grumpy Pants. You're not allowed to be Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy Pants if you understand a response. If you understand what Jesus done, you do not have a right to be Mr. Grumpy Pants or Mrs. Grumpy Pants. Because we know we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we do that. And he says, when you do this, you shine like a star. And I, I'm not talking like a star like Mark Zuckerberg or Ryan Reynolds or Justin Bieber or Oprah or Adele or Meghan Markle. I'm not talking about those stars. Do you know those people? I picked them on the top like Google list of famous people right now. That, that, was, that was it. No, he's saying shine like a star. It's like the sun. Think of it. What does the sun do? It radiates light, warmth, but ultimately life. When you don't grumble and complain, you shine like a star. I have to admit, I fail like crazy at this. And I'm going to ask you right now, leaders, our church, please forgive me, because that's probably the hardest thing as a leader sometimes, is God saying, please don't grumble and complain. Don't grumble and complain about your people. Don't grumble and complain about these. It's the hardest challenge that Paul is talking about here as a response saying yes. He says, if you do this, you actually will shine in in the midst of a a crooked and twisted generation. The word crooked is scolio, where we get the word scoliosis. You ever seen people that are actually, they're twisted, they can't operate right because they're, he's saying that's what's happened with our our, our culture. Don't live like that. (laughs) See, saying yes is a response to being at the feet of Jesus the Mary and Martha principle. I love it because Mary and Martha, Martha is working and she gets all Mrs. Grumpy Pants, doesn't she? She's working away and I'm not, and, and, and she's doing, serving Jesus, but suddenly she sees Mary at the feet of Jesus and she gets upset. And Jesus, why don't you get her working, doing something? But Jesus does not, he's not, he's not saying, hey, Mary, or sorry, Martha, I'm really promoting laziness right here, so just, you know, don't. he's not saying that. But he says she has chosen the better. Because God is a God of relationship. And he, out of our serving, if it becomes serving and we lose the idea of saying yes, is that we are now trying to somehow fight and earn and then we get grumpy out of it. God's like, no, no, I don't want that. I want your heart. I want you to be in relationship with me. Mary has chosen 
the best. It's in relationship that we're sitting down and getting our directions. The greatest tool that we've ever learned, if you've never been to a hearing God, that has been the most impactful teaching that I've had because it's teaching me how to sit at the feet of Jesus, to talk and be with God and listen. Really recommend if you've never taken one, do that. Saying yes is a response. It's about taking risks. You're willing to be out of your comfort zones. I find it really hard actually to share the gospel. Actually, if, you, if I'm being really honest with you, it's not natural for me to be an evangelist. And so I thank God that he always is trying to push me to do that. If some people say, Norm, you have a, a burden for the lost. I, yes, I do. But it's actually not my strength. As Ron said, I like to pastor. I like to help others. And then, but God is saying, I want you to grow in this. Take a risk, Norm. Saying yes means you'll be taking risks. But ultimately saying yes is because of God's, it's a response of God's love, knowing Jesus. If you understand this, you can say yes. Paul will talk about this in these next verses because I just want you to see that picture as we go to these verses and we read. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, every, and on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and heaven on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Your kingdom come. See, God's sacrifice is what fuels my ability to say yes. In John 14, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I just want to show one last video. I know it's, it's important because this is a thought that I want us to leave on and because I, I do believe that saying yes as a community is pretty radical. It's pretty challenging. Could you throw that out? Go for it, man. And you might have... Arguments I've had where, where uh, you, you know, people have said, you know, uh, one guy, been in my church for like 15 years, ever since it started. I thought I was one of the key guys. And, and he comes to me, you know, just, just not too long ago, and he goes... You know, Francis, here's the problem with you. He goes, you think everyone needs to be this radical. You, you think that Jesus calls us all to be radicals. He, he, goes, he goes, you know, you, you think there's just these, these few radicals. And, and, and he goes, you know, there's this, you got to understand, there's, a, there's this middle road where, where, you know, people, you know, they profess Christ and they do some good things. And it's like you're, 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 you're neglecting that whole middle road. Did you guys know that? There's a narrow road that leads to life. There's a wide road that leads to destruction. And now there's this new middle road. See, I didn't know that. Like a carpool lane. It's just this weird new road we created where you can just do some good things in the name of Jesus and still hold... It's, it's, you know, you know, you're serious right now. 
You're dead serious. You found a middle road. I, I, you guys, I, I, I'm not a real, you got to understand, those who know me know that I'm not a real complicated guy. I, 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 I tend to think like a kid. I tend to just go, wow, that seems like what it says. You know, I, I, I remember when, uh, when I was a kid, we used to play this game called Follow the Leader. Remember that? I mean, some of you guys don't because yeah. you just played video games. And, and you, 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 but we used to play this game called Follow the Leader, where the leader, you know, flaps his wings and you do the same thing. And it, it was easy. You, you just do what the leader did. And it's so weird how in the church we've twisted this. And Follow Jesus is a different game. You don't really have to flap your wings. You don't accent. You can just sit there and do it in your heart. Seriously. You know, when I read the scriptures, it says, man, whoever claims to, to, to know him must, must walk as Jesus walked. But we go, well, no, I'm doing that in my heart. You're like the kid sitting on the recliner going, no, I'm flapping my wings in my heart. It doesn't make sense. It's, 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 it, we, we distort things because of what we want. You know, remember, you remember Simon says? That was easy, right? Simon says, pat your head. But Jesus says it's a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you, you, you just have to memorize it. That's what we do in the church. If Jesus said, you just got to study it. You, you, just gotta, you, you just have to be able to quote it in the Greek. You, you just, it's, 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 it has nothing to do with, hey, Jesus says. You, look, look, when my daughter you know, comes to me and I go, look, go clean your room. She knows better than to come back a few hours later and goes, Dad... I memorized what you said. <clears throat> I can say it in Greek. In fact, some of my friends, we're gonna, they're going to come over and we're going to do a little study on what it would look like to clean my room. It just, it's not making sense to me. And, and all I can say is that we're twisting things. We do, we do in the church. And we, we create this little way where we don't actually have to do what Jesus... Advancing the kingdom is meaning a people who say yes. I know that that was the challenge that was given to me today. So Father, I thank you for you wanting to advance your kingdom through us. What's our response? Lord, I want to say yes to you. I want to be surrounded by people I love, doing the things that I love, because we love you. Help, Lord, each one to see that they can say yes to. May be challenged this morning. May we hear you. May we, Lord, I pray that you would help us in saying yes, doing it in our community. Lord, may it help us to understand our call, that we're saying yes to what you've called us to do. But Lord, may it be a response this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.